Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk Today. I'm here with Etcetera Etcetera. What's going on, guys? <laughs> How you doing? Been listening to your music for so long. I mean, back then with like Bro Safari stuff on YouTube. Right, right. Must be like six years ago. It was insane. a while ago. Yeah, yeah, I've been making music for, for a long time. I'm old. So yeah, I've been making music for a while. But thanks. Yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for supporting music. <laughs> so you're originally born in LA or outside? I was, no, no, I was born and raised in LA. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was born in Whittier. It's what my mom says. I don't know. But I always say I'm from like... I was born and raised in the valley. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where I grew up and that's where I live now. I still live there now. So I think I'm like a very home body guy. So I think that's where I'm gonna, that's where I'm gonna croak in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> and your parents are originally from as LA as well? No, no, my mom's from Mexico. Okay. So my mom came here when she was 15 or f yeah, 14, 15. And she had me shortly right after, like mm -hmm. here, like I was like an anchor baby or something. <laughs> but no, and then she had me and then, um, she had my whole family, and then my dad didn't really know my dad. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't stick around, so there's that story. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, uh, my mom's from Mexico, so I, I have Mexican uh, heritage background. What, what what career is she in? Or my mom, she's just working. She she has no like career career. She just has always been working her her entire life. Because mm -hmm. there's six of us, right? Wow, and that's uh, insane. and I'm the oldest of six, so she's yeah. always been working, hustling just to, to keep food on the table. And now that we're all getting older, like I moved out, my sister and my brother moved out. She only has to really take care of my little sister. My two older brothers kind of live with their dad at the, at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, now she's just with them and she just works a regular nine to five job. I think it's like nighttime, which mm -hmm. is crazy, but Damn, I guess hours. it keeps her busy. Yeah, it keeps her busy. Yeah, do you feel like you had pressure to be like a breadwinner when you were? Well, yeah, kind of, 100%. Um, when, when I was growing up, like I was, cause since I was the oldest, mm -hmm. um, the first job that I had, like I had to start putting money down for rent and stuff like that. So it was, it was kind of, kind of sucked, but it, I think that kind of helped me um, be kind of um, effective in the way I, I do work. Like be responsible, is that what I should say? It helped me be responsible because knowing that I had to put money down on the table or, or, or buy stuff or pay for rent or mm -hmm. for, you know, it, it kind of made me, shape me the way I am today, but kind of hated it when, at the time, but now I'm kind of thankful that that, that, that happened. Mm -hmm. What yeah. kind of music was your mom playing in the house when you, you were growing up? My mom was playing a lot of like cumbia, a lot of like old Mexican, like Mexican bands. Mm -hmm. um, there's a band called uh, Los Bukis, she used to play a lot. <laughs> um, and I grew up listening to that every weekend, mainly because like on the weekends we had a clean, um, so that's what she would play, and she would dance, holding a broom and stuff. That's all. <laughs> oh, I that's love that. I, yeah, that's what I remember. And, and you stuff. love that music as well. Also, I, I, I think at the time I was just like, what the, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. But now that I listen to it, I love it. Like I could sit down and listen to it in the car. Yeah. It's just like nostalgia. Like it reminds me of my childhood, and like I'll send my sister texts 
or like videos and stuff. I'm like, you remember this fucking oh, song? So yeah, I'm like, you remember this fucking song? Yeah. And then it's like, yeah. And like, I have memories of songs where I'm like, man, I remember my mom fucking threw a chunk at me when we were listening to this <laughs> one song. She's like, yeah. So just all those memories of, of music. And like, I, I've learned to appreciate all kinds of music because of that, because of my mm -hmm. mom and what she was playing and stuff like that. Do you remember the first music you bought or first artist you were listening to? Um, well, the first, I started listening to a lot of like, like R&B when I was younger. Uh, like I used to buy like Boys to Men CDs, <laughs> like, like stuff like that. Um, and I would like, I would also rip them from, from the radio, like songs that I liked. You remember like tapes back in the day, they mm -hmm. had the little holes. Yeah. I would grab my mom's old tapes yeah. and, and put like little pieces of paper so I could mm -hmm. record over them. <laughs> so I record like all kinds of like radio, like big boy and stuff like that and just listen to all kinds of music and I, I kind of didn't buy anything I think officially the first what was the first thing I bought it was probably like a rock album or something it's probably like I remember buying like a Foo Fighters album mm -hmm. um, back in the day I remember actually I remember buying like a pirate copy of this this Mexican artist named Christian and like it was a it was a cassette tape and I remember my, my mom used to buy tapes from this guy like somewhere by like some some shopping center and he would it was just pirate tapes it were like two or, or four bucks or something like that and i really wanted this tape that the guy had just brought out and i remember i it was so late i ran and the guy was leaving and i chased the fucking bus <laughs> or his van i chased it and i was knocking and they gave me the tape the fucking tape sucked oh my god <laughs> it was not a good album but um but yeah i remember that. i think that was the first cassette i bought but yeah i i was buying like foo fighters like bush all these albums like when i was young and stuff like that so yeah. Mm -hmm. How do you describe your personality back then growing up? Um, I was very shy, uh, but I would. I think I would try to 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 kill the shyness by trying to be funny. Like I would just be out there and be like, you know what I mean, like be a dork. Um, but I was very shy, like in class. I really didn't talk to anybody unless people started talking to me first. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of how I am now, a little bit like. I could sit somewhere and just sit there and let people start talking to me then I'll talk to them. Which kind of makes it seem like maybe I'm a dick, but I'm not. Like, I'm just very timid. Like, I don't know how to start a combo or or anything like that. But I could hold a combo <laughs> if we start talking, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I was very shy, like quiet. Do um, you do well in school or like school? No, I I have like bad ADD, <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't pay attention to, to save my life. Um, but I mean, I, I, I did pass, I think I all went all the way through high school. And then I tried to do community college and I couldn't. I was just like, I'm done. I'm done with school and I just kept Did working. Did you have like a major in mind at community college? Nothing. I went there for like like three months and then I left. I just couldn't, I couldn't, yeah. couldn't do it. I was just like, this is too much. Like, couldn't sit there. Like, I would try to, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So I just didn't, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just couldn't, I couldn't focus or I just, I wasn't in it. I would say I was just, it wasn't interesting to me. So I was just like, man, work keeps me busy. Like I could listen to music. I could buy. I could make money and, and go check out bands. Cause at that time, I loved going to see bands live, and that's kind of what, what. Um, that's the stuff I was into when I was, and I was in band too. So like that was. Oh, the, what kind of bands? I was like in an indie band. Oh. Like I played uh, bass for a band that like was created with my friends in high school, mm -hmm. and we were doing that for a while. Um, the band was called Roswell Parade and we were playing for a minute and I'd known them since childhood since I knew a couple of them since elementary so then once we were in high school we started doing the band and um, 
yeah, it worked out for a minute. And then we just broke up. Like, we just all had different vision of what we wanted to do. And and then we all went separate ways. And that's when I started doing EDM. Mm -hmm. Wait, so how did you find EDM originally? Originally, well, back back when I was listening to music, I, I remember I was listening to Daft Punk, right? Yeah. And I didn't know what it was about. I was just like, oh, it's just music. But I didn't know, like, what was behind it. So when I started going back to dance music, I started listening to Mastercraft and like Justice. And I was like, fuck, this is sick. Like Felix, like early Felix Cartel. Yeah. Like, like the Blockhouse days, you know? And that's when I started getting into it. And then I was like, fuck, this is what I want to make. So I had this, I had this um, computer um, where I just downloaded all these programs and I try, I try to learn how to make it myself. And like, I even tried to do real life drum set because I had a drum set in my apartment. Oh, wow. and like I was like, let me try to figure all this out. <laughs> And I couldn't for for nothing. Like I was like, "Fuck! I, I gotta get I gotta get the hang of this." And then finally, I I started listening to like Afrojack and like more like four on the floor, like actual like EDM house house. And then that's when I I was able to get the hang of it and be able to try to make that or replicate it. Is what I started doing first. Mm -hmm. I, I started taking it apart and trying to figure out how they did what, like take out the drums from the song and pattern it and take out like little effects and pattern it. And then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then it just started making sense. I was like, this is how you make a song. And then I was able to, to take that and start making my own type of music. How many years ago was this? This was uh, maybe like 10 years ago. Wow, was this like before the laid back Luke forum days or? Yeah, no, it was still around, around the, same, the time. same time. Yeah, it was Were all- Were you part of the forums? No, 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 I wasn't. I didn't even know about the forums because I was too busy trying to make the music. Mm -hmm. But I know about the forums. I didn't know about till later. How did you like teach yourself then? I there just, were no YouTube videos. It wasn't. It was yeah. just me by myself trying to figure it out. Like I said, Damn. I was just throwing stuff on Ableton and I was taking it apart and like, or just talking to some of my friends who knew how to produce and we would figure it out. Like, I'd be like, how do you do this? I'm like, oh, you go in here and do this, this and this and that. And and then, yeah. What software was it back then? I, I had Reason. Mm -hmm. Like it was, I was like, the Reason's dope. And then like, I started making music on it and then I got into Ableton. And I was using Ableton and Reason at the same time I was rewiring it. And then I realized it sounded very shitty. <laughs> like very like like play school sounds, like like Walmart sounds. So I ended, <laughs> that's what I called it. I was like, man, this just sounds like it's from Walmart. So then I ended up going full full to Ableton. And um and I've been on Ableton since. And yeah, I've been able to work that since since I started making like solid music. Did you have a moniker before, etc. etc.? No. I didn't, it was just, it began as et cetera, et cetera. So what happened was I started making music and I was learning how to DJ. And then in, in the valley where I'm from, there was my homie started throwing his own parties. And back then it was like the blockhouse days, right? Electro days. There was like DJs like Discotech and um, Cold Blank, stuff like that were throwing the parties. And one of my friends was like, hey, I know you're making music. You wanna learn how to, you wanna try to DJ one or do you wanna DJ one of the events? And I was like, fuck yeah, cause I've been going to the events. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he's like, cool. What name do we use? And I was like, fuck. Okay. Well, I don't want to use DJ Jose. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so then I was like, what what kind of music can I can I make? I was like, well, I can make house. I can make, um, you know, trance. I can make this kind. Like I was naming all the genres. And I was like, oh, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me use that. So then I was like, well, how can I make it stand out? So then I added the exclamation points. So then it was just that. It was just a name I needed for a party. So then after that was the party was done, they're like, hey, you wanna play again? And I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. And then 
He was like, you want to use the same name? I was like, yeah, why not? Mm -hmm. So then it just stuck, and that's the name I used. I, it was always like a filler name. Like, I'll use, I'll use that until I could find something. <laughs> then it just stayed. And then I was just like, well, you know what? I'm just going to use this name, mm -hmm. and I've been using that name since. So. <laughs> and the branding, um, the, like the robotic branding, was what, from a toy? It was from a toy. Yeah. So, Because I've always loved robots since I was little. Uh, just like that punk and stuff like that. I was like, oh man, how can I use it? And I didn't like pictures of myself. I still don't. So then what I started doing was I started using a robot logo that I used that I found somewhere and then I started putting it on on either my face or other people's like other actual DJ's heads. <laughs> and then I started using that as a as the actual flyer or whatever it was for I was DJing mm -hmm. until and then it just became the logo. And I, I think it yeah. worked. Yeah, yeah. It worked out. Now I'm like, fuck, like, no, even people back then were like, you should wear a robot head. And I was like, I don't want to wear a robot head, <laughs> man. And now I'm thinking like, man, I should have wore a robot head. <laughs> but no, no, I like, I like it. Yeah. Uh, how it is now, so. How do you, I feel like you're probably one of the original people, DJ producer-wise, that grew up in LA. So what is the, what was the scene like back back then and compared to now? Um, the scene was crazy back then. It was like very indie, I would say, like very bright colors when you would go to parties. Cause it was like Blockhouse and it was electro, so it was like a bunch of people going out and fun and dancing. I would go to like to Tim Mac Tuesdays, mm -hmm. uh, Stevie Oki's party that he would. Uh, it was every Tuesday at Cinespace, and um, yeah, it was just wow. It was just like little scene kids, I would say. Like I would wear the glasses with no lenses and shit. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was just like that. Like how you see pictures of is how it was, and it was cool. It was like more so like it was small. And intimate so like you knew everyone who was there right not like now when you go it's like yeah. hard to get through crowds and stuff like that um but yeah it was you knew everyone was there it was packed but whoever you bumped into you knew somehow <laughs> and it was cool and everyone was it was great um i knew some of the djs djs i didn't know many of them but yeah it was a dope time um and the music was dope and it was mainly because it was a lot of it was a lot more like remixing right then than it is now where it's like your actual music mm -hmm. um, who were the djs back in the day that you would see at these parties it was like stevie oki it was like stevie oki la castlevania felix cartel uh mastercraft uh like justice uh busy p um who else it was just yeah everyone who would come in town it was uh dj am um who else would come dj Meddy, a track all the like the the regular DJs, DJs yeah. who were like the DJ DJs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Before it got like to what it is now, and it was crazy, man. Skrillex. I used to DJ. I used to go to this party in uh, Florentine Gardens. It was called um, it was called the Heist. Mm -hmm. And uh, I used to try to DJ there so many times, <laughs> and like they wouldn't let me. <laughs> and it was just like their own clique, you know what I mean? And I get it. It was cool. Mm. Um, who was in the clique? It was like um, DJ Score, Volterra. Um, Spy vs. Spy, uh, Hyphy Crunk, I think, and it was just like them, you know, they were throwing their own yeah. parties, but they were fucking dope, their parties were dope, and then I ended up knowing, getting to know DJ Score, like, after, after, um, and he was a cool dude, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but all these other parties I remember, like, Skrillex and I would try to DJ just for drink tickets, and, like, they wouldn't fucking let us DJ at all, like, crazy. they were like, no, and this is before Skrillex, you know, became Skrillex, it was just us trying to get there with a the laptop, and they were like, nah, not even for drink tickets. No. Wait, so how did you, do you remember how you met Skrillex initially? Yeah, just like going through parties like yeah. that. Yeah, just going through parties, uh, 
just checking out other people's uh, sets and stuff like that, and then later going to his small club sets or whatever, you know, when he was DJing or people were booking him, you know, like these little parties, warehouse parties or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's how I met him. But then later he fucking blew up. And he, <laughs> he's the biggest fucking artist. You know, one of the biggest artists right now. So, yeah. Yeah. Respect. And what happened right after you quit college? Quit college. Uh, well, I st I was working. I worked. I worked. Uh, where was I working when I quit? I was working at a shoe store or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after the shoe store, I started working at a dealership. And um, yeah, what I was doing is I was just working on music and working because I never thought music would become anything like I thought it would just be something fun for me to do and if I had gigs on the side or whatever it was then it was but I didn't think I could be making music professionally you know or a career out of it I was always like I said I was always realistic I was always taught to like you need to be responsible you always need to have rent money you always need to be able to put food on the table or support yourself you know what I mean so I always had a job and um, yeah I worked for eight years at Volkswagen at a dealership <laughs> I was a service advisor so you know the guys that come yeah and you're like you're the person that's yelling at them because you don't want to <laughs> fix your car I was that guy you're yelling at me um, but yeah it was cool it was a good job I liked it I feel like if if something were to happen and I needed to go back and get a job I'd probably go back and be a service <laughs> advisor I think that's because I could talk to people I think yeah like on the phone and I'm pretty pretty mellow like it takes a lot to get me mad so I think I was able to have that handle that pretty mm -hmm. good what was the turning point that you quit? Well, I started getting booked. Like, for like I met Bro Safari online, and then he was doing this tour, and I ended up getting an agent. His name is Ben. And he, he signed me, I would say, he signed me like a year before. And I knew I wasn't going to get any gigs until, like, music started coming out. So then I started, like, putting out music, and I started putting music out on Mad Decent. And then it started, people started wanting to... To book me so then i started missing a lot of work so mm. they fired me <laughs> so i got fired um and it was it was crazy because it was like kind of like a blessing in disguise i didn't know what i was gonna do at this point i already had i had one kid and one kid was on the way and um so i was like fuck like we're gonna lose insurance <laughs> like how old were you at this point uh, i was 20 i'm gonna say 25 26 mm -hmm. maybe I'm trying to think. Yeah, maybe 25, 26. Um, I was like, yo, like, I'm gonna, like, I need insurance. Like, my girl's gonna, my wife's gonna give birth. Like, we're gonna lose our insurance. Like, I'm gonna have to pay out of pocket. Like, holy shit, what's gonna happen? And so I just went with it. I was like, fuck it, let's go with it. And we, we took a dive and. That's exactly like Bro Safari's story. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, no, so that's what happened. Yeah, I ended up just making it full-time and making music like non-stop and uh, yeah thankfully it's been working out so far I'm trying to knock on some wood <laughs> <laughs> like but, right between two yeah, trees yeah I'm like slowly running oh it, it's oh, worked out oh, did it, did it's worked out so far <laughs> um, and I'm thankful that that happened um, but yeah that it wasn't like more so like I, I went and ventured off it was kind of like I got fired so I, I this was my plan B and I was like, fuck it, let's do it. What a better mm -hmm. time to do it than now. You know, if if there were another other time it wasn't presented, I don't think I would have done it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think if it didn't happen the way it happened, I probably still would have been working, you know what I mean? But 
yeah, it happened. And how, how did you get more into the Mumba? Well, Mumba Tone happened, um, I, I would say I was making electro music and like house music, right? And then I remember one time I was talking to some friends and like, hey, have you heard Dave Nada started making Mumba Tone? And I was like, oh, what is that? And they were like, here, they played it for me. And I was like, oh, so it's house. Just slow down, really slow. And they're like, yeah, kind of like reggaeton. And I was like, all right, all right. And I started listening to it. And I was like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> and I was like very adamant, like, this sucks. But then like, I listened to a couple more songs and I was like, fuck, this is pretty, pretty dope. And then I started making it. Once I started making it, I got hooked. Like, I was just like, oh my God, like, this is so sick. Like, and I think because it kind of blends in the, the Hispanic vibes and electro and dance or, you know, yeah, dance music and, and, and it just meshes a lot of genres together, which kind of made me like it, I think. Mm -hmm. And once I was in it, I, I couldn't get out for a while <laughs> and I was just making it for a while. And then I started sending it out to, to people. I started, that's through Mumatone is where, how I met Bro Safari. Mm -hmm. um, he was making mixes of his own Mumatone stuff and I met up with SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, they became friends through SoundCloud. That's mm -hmm. when SoundCloud was like the thing, was the main thing to put your music on. And I had messages through SoundCloud. That's how we I message everyone. This would be like pre-Twitter, I think. I think I had a Twitter, but like no one really used it. It wasn't like it is now. But yeah, I would message everyone. Like that's how I met AC Slater. That's how I met Diplo through through SoundCloud. Just like <laughs> writing them through SoundCloud <laughs> and they wrote back. Whoa. So it was crazy, yeah. And. Um, that's how I met him, and we started making music together, Mumatone. And then I just started making my own Mumatone, and started writing EPs and stuff like that, and mm -hmm. and it became yeah. I think that's kind of got my foot in the door. I think trap was, but then Mumatone kind of kept me in. Yeah, so it was cool. Yeah, I how met Dylan through, through Dylan Francis through, through SoundCloud too. So yeah, love those dudes, cool dudes. How did you meet um, Salvatore Ganache? I feel like that's the before he went viral, right? No, yeah, this is way before. 2015. I met Salvatore um, when we were writing the song for Dimac. It was called Money. I had met him before. We were, we were just sending music to each other. And then finally he was like, hey, let's write a song. And then we wrote that song. And yeah. And then I've, ever since I've seen him, every now and then like I'll run into him at the airport. <laughs> he's normal. He's not like dancing or doing anything. <laughs> he just walks up. He's like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> he's a normal dude. Don't let the internet fool you. Nah, I'm just playing. He's crazy. He's crazy like that. He's wild. How about he's at the, the airport doing handstands and shit. Oh my god. <laughs> That's how he I is. I want to see that though. Yeah, 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 for sure. Food court. Like just looking at the Waiting for his burger. <laughs> how did you meet um, the Barong family? Barong family? I knew the Yellow Claw guys for a minute. Um, and I've done a few shows with them. Well, I've done a bunch of shows with them. And they're on the same agency as me. So whenever we would see each other at parties or anything like that, we would talk. And I never really, because I was putting out stuff on Dimac and and um, and Matt Decent and doing stuff on myself. So I was kind of like, oh, I'm always like willing to to jump, like try a, a different label because I like you know spreading love around and, mm -hmm. and you know doing projects with other people and connecting. I think that's important to be able to connect with other people and and build some sort of family trust and you know because then later you never know if you know something could come up they'll ask you to do a party for them yeah or anything like that so i always believe it was like connecting with other artists or other labels is important so yeah no i hit him up and i was like hey um let's do i'd like to release an ep with you guys and they're like what do you have and i sent them like 20 songs because 
I could sit down and write music like pretty fast mm -hmm. now. So I sent them like 20 songs and they picked the ones they wanted. And then, yeah, they were like, these are the ones we want. Let's do it. And I was like, cool. And then I met the label manager and he's a cool dude. And then, uh, yeah, we put the EP out and it did really good. Mm -hmm. um, they liked it and it, they, they, they wanted a lot more like Spanish influence, like with a lot of Spanish vocals and stuff like that. So I kind of think like I went back in and rewrote a couple, added vocals on some. And yeah, we put that out. And now like we have that relationship. They, they're releasing another, they, they asked me to do um, uh, uh, part two of the EP, so like Spitfire part two. So I did it, finished it, sent it in. And uh, now they did a sub-label of Barong Family and it's called Latin Family. And we're gonna release that EP on that. So that's gonna be the first EP, official EP on that label. They did a compilation that just came out and that's gonna be the first the first uh, release on, on that label. So I'm stoked. It's gonna come out in April. So it's like one of the, the most fun I had on a project and there's a lot of vocals. And it's like very, I would say, it's like a good bridge between um, like, you know, Latin vibes and EDM. So I think everyone's gonna like it. It's like, uh, it ha has like a lot of choruses and it's like dancey. So it's like reggaeton-y, but for our, for our scene. Yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. Kind of like what, what GTA did on their last release um, on Mad Decent and mm -hmm. like the Dylan Francis stuff. Yeah. Kind of like that, yeah, along the old lines along those lines mm -hmm. but yeah it's gonna come out in two weeks latin family plug yeah listen to it <laughs> actually with that like how do you feel like you've um tried to be like relevant with the times i know a lot of like djs like succumb to like certain trends but i feel oh, like you kind of ignored a lot of them and just yeah i think well see the thing was like i i i i, I am guilty of of trying of trying to keep trying to stay relevant like I, I remember when I was doing trap, because um, I was doing Mumatone, then I, I, I was like, let's do trap. I got with Brills, we did a couple trap songs. And then after that, I just started making trap. And I didn't go, and I would do Mumatone every now and then. But then I got stuck. Like, I felt like when I was making trap or anything heavy like that, it was like kind of forced. You know what I mean? Like, and, and put my, I put myself in a hole where I was like, I'm not really happy making what I'm making. You know, and instead of like me getting like kind of sucking that hole, like super depressed or like not making music, I went back and started making Mumatone, and I think that's kind of helped me to get out of that of that um of that bubble I was mm -hmm. in um, because it's easy. It, it got to the point where I was like, all right, now I'm not. I'm this is a job for me. Like I got to keep making this kind kind of music. Like I need to go back to where it began and like. How I was, how I was having fun making music, and I did it. I went started making Mumatone again, and I just the bubble burst, and then I was, I was free. I felt good, mm -hmm. and I feel like once you get lost in trying to, uh, I don't know, like trying to stay re relevant, see what will happen. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think you just gotta stick to you, and your fans are always gonna be there no matter what. And I thank my fans for always supporting what I do, even if it's like shitty. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think you gotta stay true to yourself. That's most important because without that, then you're not happy making the music you're making. And I think that's what I've been trying to do, just make what I make. And uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I think for me first, because um, yeah, music is kind of like, it lets out a lot of stress I'm having or, or like, you know, what I'm feeling. And music is just, 
it's just feelings, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it's just how you're feeling. So yeah, I, I try to I try to be funny every now and then and throw the meme out there. <laughs> I, I meme guys. I'm not that old. I know what a meme is. Um, but uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I try to try to try to I try to stay relevant, but not like to like I just do my thing. How do you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? How, I'm sorry? How you've grown as a person. How do I, I think I've matured. I'm still goofy and I'm dumb and like I, I, I'm annoying I, I would say but I think um, I've, I've known what's, what's more important now and like you know um, what, what priorities I have right. So um, my main priorities now are like my kids mm -hmm. you know what I mean like, like music is going to come and go but I'm always going to be a dad you know what I mean so I think being a dad helped me mature into being who I am, um, and just yeah, just being being there for my kids and 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 being able to provide for them, because ultimately this is why I'm, um, you know, providing. And mm -hmm. I gotta, like I said, gotta bring uh, bread to the table, whatever it is. So like, if this if this would end tomorrow, my music, then I would have to get a job, you know, because I gotta support my family, and that's, you know, I think I just it's just being mature. And I think I've matured a lot like that because back in the day, like, I just didn't care. Like, I'm like, hey, let's go do this and do that. Like, it's crazy. Crazy mm -hmm. Jose. Yeah. Now I'm just like an old man Jose just at home, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? So, I don't know. I think that's, I don't know. I think you just find it in you. Once you get older, you start, like I said, you start realizing what your priorities are. And yeah. I think that's, that's what's important. What is it like being, like, a dad in EDM, though? Like, the shows and so much touring. Oh, man. Well... The good thing was that my kids were little when I when I started touring heavy yeah. in the beginning, um, so it wasn't that bad. Now they're they're a little older and they go they both go to school, so mm -hmm. they're busy at school all the time. How old but, are they now? Uh, my daughter is eight and my, oh, my okay. son is six. Yeah. So, um, so now they both go to school, and like they understand like I gotta go work and like they know what I do and stuff like that. Probably and, like the coolest dad out of their class. <laughs> no, they don't think I'm the coolest dad. They hate me. No. <laughs> They think I'm annoying and stuff like that. I'm that dad. I'm like the dad joke guy. Um, yeah, my daughter's been rolling her eyes at me recently, and I'm like, oh fuck. So, but yeah, no, they're, they're used to it now. Um, and I don't go, I don't leave as much as I do unless it's like it's a heavy, like unless I go to like, uh, like Europe or, or Asia and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I do like two or three shows a week, and then I come straight home. Like I don't stay out more than I need to. Yeah. And then uh, yeah, I try to. Like during the week is when I'm with them and I do everything with them and then the weekend is when I'm gone and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, they understand what I do and it, it was hard. It, it felt like it, it, when it, when I'm gone for like a month or something like that, then it gets hard for me. I, I'm like, fuck, I want to be home. Like I, I miss my, my family and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think they understand. Yeah, they, they know. They know what's up. <laughs> what I'm the cool dad. I know. <laughs> Even though they don't want to admit it, I'm cool. I'm not cool. <laughs> What does love mean to you? What does what? Love mean to you. Love mean to me. Shit. Love is is unconditional, right? Like uh, you will do no matter what it takes for, to make the the other person happy and, and support them and and be there for them and they'd be your number one. Um, yeah, just like my kids and my, my, my entire family and my girl, like they're all my number one. So I love them. And if, you know, I would do anything for them. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? What do I want to be remembered for? Uh, I don't know. 
I just make cool music. <laughs> I have a main movement tone. <laughs> Not great again because it's always been great. So, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, your, your, your favorite robot. Et cetera, et cetera. Your favorite robot. Mm -hmm. That's me. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> This is awesome. Thank you so much. Yo, thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. <laughs> I regret it. I was saying it was so cool, and I was like, I was like, I'm. It's, it's a cool Look at day. All these I'm like wearing t-shirts. Yeah, I'm like, it's not gonna be hot today, and I'm like, oh, fucking sweaty over here, <laughs> man. But I had so much fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. I love you guys. Bye guys.